Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of The Web Behind. Uh, today I have Katie Miller with me. Hi Katie. Hi, how's it going? Good, how are you? Good. Thank you so much for being on. Yeah, thank you. And you work at Test Double, correct? Correct. Cool. Can you tell me a little bit about what they do and what you do there? Mm -hmm. So Test Double is a consultancy and um, you know it's set up kind of like your classic agencies that they take on clients. Um, except the bigger difference is that, that the majority of the people that work there, or everybody that works there uh, is mid to senior level. So we come into projects and into companies that um, are really like wanting a certain level of expertise in a certain language, or they need help finishing projects, or they need help with their processes. Um, and so we're really, you know, our, one of our biggest missions is to make software better just in general, uh, whatever that means for the situation that we're in, whether it's uh, the, how the developers are working or just teaching them better practices. Um, yeah, so. So you often work on projects that they already have their own maybe development team, so you're not the whole development mm -hmm. outsource, but you're kind of more, do you, do you find more like a teaching, like kind of leadership role that you do or? It's, it's kind of, it's kind of, um, it can be that, or it can be working for a company that just doesn't have a certain language uh, expertise and they want to release a gem or um, have a certain feature that, that you know, addresses a certain community. Like we do a lot of node work, we do a lot of um, Ruby work, uh, basic front end JavaScript, I think we have a lot of React work going on. Um, and so it, you know, a lot of times we get brought in for, I think, companies and agencies that are, um, maybe they've gotten a lot more work suddenly and they want a, a, a certain level of expertise to be able to ramp up quickly and yeah. have people help lead the team through a project and that's kind of stuff we do. Cool, do you, out of all the like, front end, Node, Ruby, do you have a specialization in that area? I am, I mean, it's such a cliche term. I would say I'm full stack at this point because I do, uh, I've learned development through Ruby, um, and I do a lot of JavaScript as well. And I'm starting to slowly kind of like, my JavaScript skills more started on the front end, and I'm slowly starting to pull them more towards the Node side of things, so that's kind of a different exploration for me, um, expanding that skill set. Cool, and how long have you been working at Testable? Not very long, so it, the, since the first of the year, roughly. Oh, okay, cool, mm -hmm. uh, fun so far? Yeah, yeah, it's great. <laughs> cool, cool. Um, any other cool stuff going on? Uh, do you do, I don't know, do you all do any community stuff or any public speaking, anything like that? I, up till now, don't do a whole lot community stuff-wise. Um, I mostly spend my time kind of focusing on working and then doing, like I really enjoy hiking and other things, so it's kind of what I end up spending a lot of my time doing outside of work. Um, but I am doing more work with Test Double with, um, like I'm speaking at self.conf uh, in Detroit in May, and I'm doing a, a paired conference talk with uh, one of the founders of Test Double, uh, Todd Kaufman, and we're speaking about diversity and kind of Test Double's story with struggling to figure out how to make their company more diverse, or actually realizing that their company wasn't diverse, like the awakening, and trying to figure out like what that means and how they can can move away from uh, being a monoculture. That's great. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, <clears throat> something that a lot, if not all companies are in tech at least, are really struggling with right now. So I'll definitely yeah. look forward to hearing that talk. Yeah, it's going to um, be fun. 
All right, cool. So can we maybe take a step back in time here and like go back to what were you doing before tech? Uh, when when was before tech for you? <laughs> what were you up to? So I've been doing development for five years, and um, I'm self-taught. And I prior to tech, immediately prior to tech, was actually um, an electrician's apprentice doing heavy commercial construction. That's um, <laughs> and I had. Uh, was dating a guy who was a Ruby programmer, and I met all of his Ruby programmer friends. And um, right about, I mean, it was, I'd say right about the same time I met this guy, I actually had an accident on the job, and I broke a couple fingers in my hand. And so I had, I had kind of an awakening where I realized, like, wait a minute, like I loved my job doing construction. However, I wasn't so sure that I was ready to dedicate my body well-being to my job. Yeah, that's a tough one. <laughs> Which ironically now it's like I work I work in tech and I'm sitting in front of the computer all day so I have to battle it in a different direction, but you know, I was just I didn't I don't want to have to worry about throwing out my back or ruining my shoulders or my knees or any of those things. So So yeah, I thought I thought god, these guys have such a great life. <laughs> a lot a lot of them are uh, nomadic in some way shape or form. They they travel a lot of the year. Um, they had, you know, good, uh, sustainable lifestyles, and I was like, "Gosh, I, I, that sounds awesome!" And one and one guy in particular, uh, his name's David Palm. Uh, him and I became very good friends, and he said, "You know, if you want to learn Ruby, I'd be happy to help you out." And so he just kind of like helped helped me along, and I eventually got an internship with a company in Portland. Um, and he actually lived at the time; he lived in Italy. And so he just kind of mentored me from afar, and I worked on projects with him and uh, the team that he was working with, uh, and just kind of worked my way up from there. That's awesome. Um, yeah, that's, so are you from the Oregon area, Portland area? I'm not. I've lived here for 12 years. Uh, I grew up in Kentucky. Okay. And um, I went to school in University of Louisville and the University of Cincinnati. And uh, out of all of this, I have, um, I have an architecture degree that I don't use. <laughs> <laughs> like my journey to tech is all over the place. Yeah, um, cool. I like it's it's funny because doing these interviews, it's like usually one way or the other. Like usually, either people were like groomed by their parents for some sort of career in tech, or like were totally all over the place and kind of ended up uh, ended up doing it. So it's always yeah, it's really cool to hear. Yeah, I mean, I went I went from the kind of like take it full circle. I went from uh, in architecture school, and I, the school I was in was um, had had like internships, so I worked for a number of firms when I was in school and realized I hated it. Uh, decided I was just going to graduate and get my bachelor's, I just need to like finish college was the goal. Yeah. <laughs> so I did that and I worked um, in kitchen and bath design for a while at Home Depot and, <laughs> and then I worked for an architecture firm in Portland for a little while and felt very angsty and young and I want to make a difference and at the time I was designing parking garages. And so I became a union organizer. I did that for a year. And then when that ended in tears, um, as most endeavors of, of passion and idealism will, I um, went to automotive school for a while and was going to become an auto mechanic. And I was taking my electronics classes in automotive school. And I was like, oh, the electron. The electron is so cool. I forgot I really liked the electron. <laughs> And that kind of uh, helped me move towards into the electrician's apprenticeship and um, 
and yeah, and then the rest of it I've already told you. So it's kind of like this crazy, crazy route. Yeah, it's a pretty <laughs> awesome path. I like it. Um, yeah, it's interesting, especially because it's so much. There's a couple of things. Like one, it's a lot of hands-on stuff, to, and then going to tech, and then the other one is you know people always talk about, like people throw around the word engineering with with like software engineer a lot. People are always like, oh, that's not real engineering, or but like you actually kind of went the full gamut from like pursuing like automotive and then electrical engineering into quote unquote software engineering. Yeah, um, that's pretty awesome. Yeah. So so, do you do you think this this stuck? This is this is you. Oh, for sure. Like, I, what I love about it, and what I find really interesting, is that there's a commonality to all the stuff that I that I've done, which um, for me is really about problem solving. And I, it, I would have never, like, if I'd sat with a career counselor when I was 18 and in high school, and they said, "Oh, you know," I, they directed me to engineering, and I didn't fully understand kind of why I liked math or science. And I think it's it was really more about the fact that I really like. Um, trying to figure out how things work, and I like that problem-solving mindset, and um, it just didn't occur to me until much later. I mean, it really like wasn't until I was in tech for a couple of years I was like, oh, I see, it's all the same thing. Like architecture is a lot like code, and you know, I mean, it's um, yeah. And I love that we're constantly doing different things. Like my job is for five years, I rarely do the same thing twice. Yeah. Yeah, that's definitely awesome. So, cool. All right, so we got this kind of all over the place, different <laughs> schools, different kind of career paths, and all that. And then you kind of mentioned like the your very introduction to tech was you met you met a friend uh, who lived mm -hmm. Um So was that kind of your first like first line of code written first, uh, or had you done any before that? I had not, and you know, my, at the time I had never really done anything self taught. Everything that I had done up to that point was taking classes. So the first thing I thought was, okay, well, I'm going to enroll in some classes to see if I can think, like if I can, if programming is a way I can think, if that's a thing that I'm interested in. So I enrolled at the community college here locally for some like C++ classes and HTML and JavaScript and CSS classes. And of course they were horrible. They were awful. And, but I persevered and kept up with it. And I mean, I think if anything, I figured out that I'm um, doggedly stubborn. I mean, <laughs> even though they weren't teaching me very well, I just kind of like nose to the grindstone and figured it out. And I figured out, oh, this is, I can totally learn this way and this is fine. Um, yeah, and then it, it wasn't until, I think I was, when I got my internship uh, at the agency that I started working at here, I was like halfway through the Rails tutorial. Like, I didn't understand routes. I didn't understand, you know, I, I didn't understand anything. I didn't know what API meant. Um, I mean, I really remember all of those struggles. Like, I remember, yeah, just so many of these, you know, terms or whatever that get used so casually. But yeah, I think people take for granted that everybody just knows what those things are. <laughs> They're just not like there's no like innate value to that word. Like, I don't know, I don't know what that means. I mean, I don't even, I don't even probably like know what API stands for. Like, I mean, I think I don't. I just learned what an API was, and I just didn't learn any of formalities. And so right. it's so funny to me to think about it. And I noticed, too, like how much language there is, because you go out with a, a mixed group of people that are not involved in tech and people that are on tech. And if the tech people start talking about something tech-related, the other people are like, what are you doing? You're like Snoopy talking right now. Like, yeah. I don't even understand what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think there's a lot 
a lot of that. And I think that it's important to recognize because I think that's like one of the big barriers to entry and one of the big ways that we can accidentally make people feel ostracized or unwelcome, you know, by like jamming in a bunch of words that we don't explain when we're like, you know, like, oh, I'll teach you Ruby, but I'm going to use a ton of words that you've never heard before and you're on your own for figuring those out. Um, yeah, that was my, I got a warning, a good warning from David when I got started. He was like, I think one of the harder struggles for you is going to be the terminology, the, all the acronyms and the like things you just don't know that are just part of the everyday speak. Yeah, and it was it was a good warning. That was a nice nice to know that that was what was going to happen. Yeah, that is really nice. Um, what you said you were doing some sort of Rails course. Um, what yeah. which one was it? That's the Michael Hartle. Uh, I'm not hoping I'm not botching his name. Just the it's a online Rails tutorial. So he has a bunch of screencasts, and then he has his ebook for free. And I I still like I think it's a really I recommend it to a lot of people. He keeps it up to date. Um, I've even used it recently for just like a sample project. I needed to work on a gym and I needed to build some RSpec and Cucumber matchers. And I was like, well, I'm not gonna build a project. I'm just gonna pull it down. I'm gonna drop this stuff in and go with it because he's already got a test suite and he's already got, you know, all these things built out. So it's really easy to bootleg, yeah. bootleg bootstrap. <laughs> bootstrap yeah. up a project really fast with it. Yeah, that's awesome. I'll definitely find that and put it in the show notes because it sounds yeah. really cool. Um, all right, cool. So you start, you took a few classes and you're kind of doing this, was it an internship or is it just kind of he's mentoring you at first? I or call I, it an internship, <laughs> but it was basically a first job where I got dropped in and they were paying me very little and um, there was no formality to it. I mean, it was definitely before the days of any of the, any of the, the camps that exist now or the classes that exist. Um, so it was pretty much just putting me on projects and figuring out what I needed to do to get it done. Yeah. Um, and that, you know, it was really scary. There were definitely a lot of days where I hid behind my monitor and cried and um, I it was in way over my head. They put me on a project that uh, didn't have any good leadership on it. And I mean, I, that, that poor project, I think back on it now and it's like, that was a nightmare. Like, I mean, I think, the poor client. <laughs> I get some of those. Once in a while I get like an email from like a WordPress site I built in like 2003 or you know and they're like hey there's something funky going on and I'm like you know <laughs> what password I was using back then or yeah definitely have some horror oh. stories but so how long did you do this this project for this uh, kind of first job internship thing? So my first job I stayed at for two and a half years. Wow. Um, you know I worked my way up to, to podcast so far. <laughs> yeah, I was definitely I was there for a really long time, and um, I, you know, I'd say that's where I became a full fledged dev. Um, and at that point too, by the time I left, I was doing UX design um, and helping design mobile projects that they had going on, and doing a lot of front end JavaScript, like the beginning days of the MVC stuff, doing some Bootstrap. And uh, what is the other one that's the JavaScript one that Backbone? Backbone, yeah. You know, yeah, just building building out projects with those two things. Um, and it, yeah, I don't know, doing a lot of different things. It was a it was a good stepping stone. Yeah, it sounds like got a lot of good experience. So where did you go from that job? So from that job, I ended up working for a company that does um, interestingly enough that they're called Legit Script, and they do 
scraping of search engines looking for ads that are geared towards um, prescription drug sales and they're they have uh, the expertise and the analysts to basically decide if the people are advertising fake things or selling fake drugs um, and then that allows them to give Google and all these different search engines um, kind of like flags on these prescription drug companies so they can yank the ads. Uh, so I did UX work for them uh, on their admin tools and kind of help them make them more user friendly. Uh, they have a huge database of all of these different drugs, like all the different kinds of like prescription drugs or fake prescription drugs that people make up, you know, like crazy Chinese herbs that are supposed to like solve all your problems. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> did you find yourself learning a lot about the prescription drug world or did you get to kind of stay to the coding world? A, a little bit, but I mean, it's it was so, there was so much of it. It was really a fascinating, it was a super fascinating job. Um, but it, I didn't really realize it. it's interesting to learn about an industry like that. I guess the the kind of lesson or the takeaway that I took from it was that it's it's a huge industry and it's run by like a lot of Russian mobsters. <laughs> like we weren't even allowed to we weren't we didn't the address of the office is not published because they get threats. I mean it was crazy. It was like oh, right. I had no idea. Drug publishers or whatever it is. That's well, they're like, yeah, like the actual office, the office right. of the company, because they help, you know, bust these guys. Like they, Ooh. it all has to be on the down low. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. <laughs> That's very interesting. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, so how long were you at this job? Um, I was there for about six months. Uh, and then from there, I ended up working at New Relic for a year. Uh, and yeah. We're, what I mean, were you doing there? What was that? What were you doing there? I was working on what they call the APM product. So it's the application monitoring project that, that kind of likes the, the, the backbone of their company mm -hmm. um, that most people are familiar with. So I was working on the interface and the Rails app that, nice. that, that supports that, that product. Cool. Yeah, we used them at my last job. I like yep. the interface very much. I've, I've often ended up in like uh, web performance roles, so it was like a really nice interface to you know find slow pages or find you know slow queries, things like that. It's amazingly powerful. It yeah. really, really, really is. I didn't, I didn't really realize prior to working there how powerful it was. Um, and it was, it was an honor. I mean, it, there's such amazing people that work there, and the project itself is loved by a lot of people. It's, it was a really great place to work. I really, really enjoyed it. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, did you go from there to test double, or are there more jobs in between? I didn't. From there, I actually left. I left um, New Relic because a close friend of mine offered me an opportunity to build a website or a web application for her. She, um, her name is Beth Tipton, and she gets she works as a a professor at Columbia teaching statistics to people who are doing like educational research. Um, and so she needed this web app to kind of help explain to people what, um, see if I can succinctly say it, it's a very wonky uh, niche product, but it's for, it's for educational researchers who are trying to recruit schools so they can study them. So they need like a population set they can study. And prior to kind of more recently, there haven't been good methods for them to be able to uh, choose their schools so that their schools are representative of a certain population. So. You know, you can get into this trap where you think that, oh, if I choose schools from, 
West Virginia, that'll be really interesting and important because they're rural, poor schools. The problem with that is that they don't actually represent many schools across the United States. They, they're, they're actually very, very like, it's a specific pocket. Mm -hmm. um, and so because of that, their research results can't be applied to schools across the United States. So this web app in particular, she got a grant from the Spencer Foundation and we took data from the common core of data uh, and built a site where you can actually generalize the entire school population from K through 12 and get a, a set of recruitment, like kind of lists of recruitment um, targets that are ranked so that if you chose like a specific proportion across these ranked lists, you should end up with a sample set that's very representative of the larger population that you care about. Cool. Were you the sole developer on that? Yep. So I designed it and built it. Yeah. Uh, was, that, was that your first time kind of being totally solo on a project? It was, yeah. It was a huge, it feels so good, especially being self-taught to say like, oh, I built this entire thing from scratch. Yeah. However, it's like extremely scary to be the only person doing things. Yeah, definitely. Like you get <laughs> stuck and there's just nobody, there's nobody else there that you can go to. It really pushed me, it pushed my back-end skills really hard. Um, I'd say that prior to working on that project, I'd really avoided getting to know SQL very well. It's just kind of, I always felt like it was such an ugly language and I just didn't, I didn't, I didn't want to do it. I was like really repulsed by SQL <laughs> and that project's all about the data. And so it's, uh, it was really important for me to be able to understand my SQL queries and um, build like build efficient queries and be able to do my explain plans and all my joins and yeah, I yeah. learned a lot from it. Cool, how long were you on that project? I did that for a year by myself just freelancing and now I'm kind of doing maintenance work on it on the side, um, it's not really a full-time job. So that's yeah. why I moved, I eventually like took a job with Test Double um, kind of moving on from that, that full-time job and it's really nice to work with people again, I've really. <laughs> Definitely. So had you um, done pretty much only Ruby and front-end JavaScript before Testable? Yeah. So, so I, Node is like sort of new to you then? It's sort of new. I mean, I've used, I've used build tools like Gulp and Grunt and had some, uh, some experience with it, but not much. You know, mostly just front-end processing using kind of NPM. Um, systems, but no actual node development of any type. I haven't built any applications with node. Uh, I just more recently worked on a project where we built a node module. So that was like an introduction to what that was like. Mm -hmm. Cool. Yeah. That's pretty exciting. So um, I was, I guess, a little bit wondering how you found, you know, one of the things I've always really liked about Ruby is the community around it. Um, especially with learning resources. Like I found that there's just a ton of really, really great stuff. Uh, and, and I do find that kind of similarly with Node. And I was wondering if you had any kind of like feelings back and forth, like, oh, I like Ruby was really easy, Node's hard to learn, or if they're kind of the same or anything like that. Yeah, I feel like Node feels harder to learn. I feel like the, the error messages even now feel a little bit obtuse to me. Um, getting it set up on your system. There are so many amazing tools that that Ruby has that have made it really easy to like migrate between the versions, whether you use RBM or RBM. Um, and I, I think because I've started using Node 
you know, as it's growing, it's hard to be involved in something that's growing and you feel kind of like the growing pains with it. Like, mm -hmm. oh, all of a sudden, you know, this module doesn't work because your node version is behind. And that's really difficult um, to figure out kind of a workflow for that. That makes sense. So I think maybe like coming with Ruby being a lot more mature made it mm -hmm. maybe not easier to learn, but changing a lot less often, right? So if you learn something, it stays working. Yeah. Well, I, I, I think too, especially for somebody coming new to anything, when the tools kind of get in your way, it, 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 can, it can be so frustrating and make you feel like that you can't, that you're either not smart enough to get it, you know, that imposter syndrome can really set in really quickly when you're fighting with trying to figure out why the tools don't work and it, there's, uh, you know, it creates this barrier to you just being able to start using it out of the box. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's one thing I loved about front-end JavaScript and HTML and CSS is you can like right. make one file and you can send it to your family and they can double-click on it and open it up. And it, you know what I mean? Cool. I mean, to totally. Like, if it's if it's something that you can just easily throw together and play with it, um, I mean, I think that the scariest place for somebody who's starting is the terminal. If you don't know Bash, like especially if you're coming from a place where you have no experience with the innards of your computer. Right. That is, it's terrifying. The the command line tools are not necessarily intuitive. They have crazy shortened names for things. You get, you know, you have to put configuration files and all sorts of weird stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It's just it's a it's a scary place when you're trying to learn something new. Definitely. I definitely am not as scared of hosing my computer. I haven't done it a long time, but I've definitely had those moments where it's like. Well, I'm just gonna implode everything that's here and start over. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, so I guess I just have a couple of questions. Just kind of, I'd love to hear your thoughts on some different things. Um, sure. One, I guess, if you just had like, if if you were starting now, or if you had a friend that was starting, just starting now in the industry, um, do you have any like ad advice you'd give them, especially things that like worked really well for you, or you kind of wish you had done differently? Those types of things. Well, I think that I really think programs like Hackbright and Ada Academy are amazing. I think that the the bootstrapping schools um, are great because you're with a group of people that are also learning, and they can come from any levels. You know, we're all trying to kind of like struggle through things differently, um, and a number of different backgrounds, kind of like non-traditional learners. So they're not coming from CS programs generally. Um, and then I think the way that they if it's a good program, the way that they connect uh, you with employers and with activities and, and groups going on in the community is really important so that you don't feel so siloed. Um, and so that's, my doorbell rang. And so that's, um, <laughs> I think it's really, it's really helpful to not feel alone. I think that's, yeah. that's, that's key, ultimately. Yeah, that's really good. Um, okay. Also, so it's, you've had a bunch of cool jobs. Um, do you have any <clears throat> advice coming specifically to like interviewing or finding jobs, like things that have worked really well for you? Um, yeah, I mean, I interviewing is one of my biggest pet peeves actually, because I find that um, that was it was it's been really hard for me to do interviewing, uh, especially because I didn't have any experience tech interviewing when I kind of like stepped out into tech interviewing um, two and a half years after working. And so I, I, didn't, I didn't know what to expect. 
I remember going to my first tech interview and I thought it was just going to be a coffee chat and the guy pulled out a computer and he's like, Hey, what do you think about coding? And I'm like, uh, I, I don't, I don't know. Um, and you know, he threw a kata out and I had, I had, at the time had been doing mostly JavaScript work and he pulled out something that was Ruby and I wasn't prepared and I didn't know what to expect and it felt awful. And it's funny. It's like, this last round of looking for a job after this big project that I did independently, I found that it wasn't any easier in a lot of ways. I think a lot of companies, um, a lot of interviews get put together kind of haphazard and there's a lot of kind of puzzle work that, that, that is required for you to do kind of on the fly in front of people. And it's just not what I found showcases what I'm good at in my job. And the difference was that, that new testable in particular has really done a really good job of, of spending time thinking about their interview process, trying to make sure that you don't feel, you know, overly pressured more than you need to be and trying really hard to think about how to eliminate bias um, and let a number of people in the company get exposure to the candidates. Uh, they give you a take home so you kind of have time to work on, on your own without the pressure being there. And companies where I've walked in and they're just kind of like, oh, yeah, do this puzzle for me really fast. And I don't do well. And I said, that was awful. I'm sorry. I didn't, you know, I'm, I'm not very good at these. And I had an interviewer say, oh, yeah, I really hate them too. They're the, they're the worst. Huh. <laughs> Well, if you hate them so much, why in the world are you using this as a measure for finding candidates for your company? Like you, you inherently recognize that it is not, not, it's not helpful. Right. So why continue? And it, you know, interviewing takes, it takes forethought, and it's good for to take the people that are going to be doing interviews and actually training them and thinking about how you can the phrases that you use and the ways that you kind of like help help find the skills that the people are bringing to you like how do you how do, instead of testing them how do you help them um kind of like show you what they're good at yeah i think that's great cool um i think that's just about any everything do you have any i don't know like any opportunity for other advice for you know people just starting or people looking to you know you know, start their own adventure into into computer science or being a software engineer? Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, I think, like I was saying to this before we got started, is that, you know, my, my classic comment to junior devs, that when they're getting started and they're feeling frustrated and kind of like, oh my gosh, all these people seem so smart and they seem to know everything, like to remember that we all, you know, no one came out of their mother's room knowing everything that they know, that they, they all had to start somewhere and that they all had to learn and kind of stumble and you just aren't seeing that part. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> awesome. Well, yeah, uh, thank you so much for being on. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for giving me the opportunity. It was good yeah, talking to you. Absolutely. And uh, yeah, thanks for your story. I really like, I like, <laughs> I like the, uh, uh, kind of the bouncing all around with the automotive, the electrical engineering stuff is cool. Yeah. Um, all right, well, great, thanks again. All right, thank you. Take care.